Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle, and today I have an amazing interview with best-selling author, CBT hypnotherapist, and functional medicine certified health coach and nutrition practitioner, Raywin Gruera. Now, I had an amazing conversation with Raywin. We chat all things functional medicine, functional nutrition, how women especially and everybody in general need to listen to their bodies, pay attention to their health, and really prioritize themselves so that they can live a really happy and joyful life. Uh, I had an amazing time chatting to Raywin and I really hope you enjoy this podcast and really take out some of the amazing information that she has to share. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Raywin. Welcome to the show today. Hi. Thank you for having me, Kate. I'm super happy to be here and excited to talk to your listeners. Well, everybody knows that I always love talking about health and nutrition and women's health. So I think this is going to be a really great conversation. So before we kind of dive into the topic, can you share with listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and who you work with? Yeah, so um, it all began for me like back in sort of like 2016 and I was working in banking and now that I have set up my own practice like I work virtually and I help women in particular like I've I've helped children as well and and men in that sort of banking industry um, with their nutrition and optimizing their performance and their energy and also overcoming illnesses and and diagnoses like IBS anxiety chronic fatigue, Hashimoto's autoimmunity. So it's a broad spectrum of things that I do, but I approach it from a space of looking at the body and the mind as being connected. And moving from banking to functional nutrition and health is kind of a change, you know, for anybody. But is there a story behind that that kind of made you want to move and, and change careers essentially? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. Um, you know, I um I'm it's January, right? So I, I don't know when this is gonna be. It's probably gonna be released a little bit later, but um I have been reevaluating all of these things. And you know, when you're in that sort of industry, like where you're on a conveyor belt and you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, you don't really stop to think, like, is my life actually where I want it to be? Am I aligned with the things that I want to be doing? Am I spending most of my time just be you know dealing with obligations as opposed to doing what really lights me up and I had a Damascus moment in 2016 so I've been in banking since 2006 I had studied for my undergrad in psychology um, at the University of London and then I went straight into Barclays Canary Wharf very very male oriented type a you know go 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 um, environment and spent 10 years there, much longer than I had anticipated, to be honest with you. But I was working in HR, I was running a well-being program, ironically. And um, 
I burnt out, you know, I ended up with all the things that I have, I've helped my clients with now. So the anxiety, the panic attacks, the insomnia, the migraines, the unexplained infertility, all of those things showed up for me uh, and the IBS. That was a big, big part of it. And understanding that connection between the gut and the brain that, you know, we traditionally been taught that we have to, if we, if we have a mental health condition, go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist. But no one talks about the fact that what we're eating can actually impact the way that we're feeling and how we're thinking, our energy levels, our mood, our hormones. And why is that? Well, mostly because everything, well, not mostly, everything that we eat gets converted into a neurotransmitter, which you need for your brain and your, your mental health, or a hormone. Um, and everything gets converted into energy. So like if you're eating foods that are not conducive to, to transporting and converting and helping with the production of these, um, these molecules and compounds that the body requires, then you're going to be lacking in energy. You're not going to be feeling as sharp. You might be feeling low in mood, probably a little tense, a little anxious. And we are exposed to numerous things in our environment as well that can impact um, the way that we feel. Viruses, parasites, bacteria, pathogens, all of these things can have an impact on how well we're absorbing our food. And I historically had thought that I was a really good like, I was like, I'm a really healthy person. I exercise twice a day. I eat, you know, low fat yogurt. Um, of, I'm having skinny blueberry muffins, low fat coffee, not realizing that I was actually, you know, creating some serious nutritional deficits and everyone else around me was doing the same thing. And we were all ending up, you know, exhausted, burnt out. And that was sort of like an epidemic in, in the corporate world. Like when I took on the well-being program and we looked at the stats of what was happening with mental health, um, there were so many people who were burning out. So many people where this is where most of our, you know, our insurance budget was going toward like psychology and psychological issues. So I knew that there was a problem. I also have a family history of anxiety, so I, I was no stranger to it. Uh, but I think I was just shocked when it happened to me when I had my first panic attack at two o'clock in the morning um, and not being able to breathe and, you know, sweating and just being terrified and thinking I was getting a heart attack because that's what you think is happening you think you're you're gonna die um so my my mom did not have panic attacks but she did have terrible anxiety and she her hormones were definitely not very happy and unfortunately she ended up succumbing to um an estrogenic cancer so breast cancer endometrial ovarian those are the cancers that are from a buildup of too much estrogen in the body and what happens with that is when we're not able to clear or detoxify properly and we're toxic and there are clues and signs and symptoms that show up so early on in our lives but we we tend to put ourselves on the back burner and she was a mother of five children so she never put herself first she just constantly just she was just in survival mode she was in fight or flight all the time making sure her kids were fed we were going to good schools and you know she did have help she had my dad she had my grandmother but it's such a mission to you know I think for women in particular and I know that we're talking to women today like when we get little niggly things, we're so like, we, we don't have time. Like, I don't have time to deal with that because something else is a priority. Something else is screaming at me. But what ends up happening is that over time, those things that you've been putting on the back burner and that you've been like, you know, just taking a pill to deal with, let's say you're getting recurrent headaches, for example, or recurrent rashes or allergies, skin allergies or hives. Um, you know, we go for the quickest thing that we can fix it with, which is, you know, a pill like, um, you know, some sort of Benadryl, Periton, Aleve, Ibuprofen, whatever. But we never address the, well, why 
am I getting these things over and over? And why should I be taking these pills for, you know, years? And with in her case, you know, she had several problems with her skin for years, she had issues with her gut and with her skin. And everything that I know now is that these are signs of like liver, your liver not working well. And because the liver is not working well, the hormones aren't clearing and detoxifying properly, and then they build up, and they can lead to, to problems later on disease later on. So personal story, yeah, it's very long, very convoluted. And I'm in a very reflective place right now, because I've just come back from it was her one year anniversary of her her death. Mm-hmm. And I just come back from spending Christmas with my dad, it was our last Christmas in that house that we all grew up in. And, um, you know, I was thinking like, well, you know, she had five children. And she sacrificed pretty much her health, her body, everything, you know, for them to have a better life to go to good schools to, to go to university to all those do all those great things. And, it's going to end with me because I'm in my mid forties and I don't have any children. And I've been thinking, and it's been sad. Like, I'm like, what's my legacy going to be? Like, I haven't like all of this work that she put in, it's going to end, you know, yeah, she's got five of us, but like that bloodline's going to end here. And I've been thinking really deeply about that. Like, what is my legacy? And the thing is when you are confronted with someone passing, you start to ask these kinds of questions because they jolt you into the fact that your time is short and that you don't have a lot of time to be like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll give up gluten today. Maybe I'll get on the treadmill tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'll kind of half-ass it. Um, I hope I can say half-ass. I can kind of half-ass my health and not really pay attention um, until your body starts to scream at you, until the the fire that you've been, you know, with the pills, you've just been literally turning off the fire alarm rather than putting out the fire, because um, that's what happens with pills. It's just masking that something's going on rather than dealing with the underlying cause or reason. Yeah, well, I think so many people can relate to so many parts of your story there. And I'm like, yes, 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 I agree with 100% of that. And I think that's it's a great segue because my question is if there's somebody listening in going, well, what's the difference between functional nutrition and me just going to my GP? You touched on it in the sense that if we just go to our GP and, you know, I've got my own stories where I've gone to my GP and, you know, I've had um, issues with my menstrual cycle and she's like, here, just take this pill or go see um, the uh, uh, gynecologist and get an IUD put in and that will just solve your problems. I've had that many a time. So again, rather than fixing the issues that are causing the symptoms, they just want to eliminate the symptoms. So in your words, what is the difference between functional medicine and and just going off to see your GP? So I love that you shared your story because it's almost identical to pretty much every single client I've ever dealt with and myself. Like they've tried the whole IUD thing because I had problems with problems from the pill, by the way. So, um, you know, I ended up with something called cervical erosion after being on the pill since I was 19 because my hormones back then weren't great. So they're like, well, go on the pill. It will fix your problem. And then when I got married in my late 20s and I wanted to try for having a child, I came off the pill and then we had, I had all these issues that were coming up. So the IUD thing is so funny that you talked about that because it's so common. It's sort of like the go-to. It's like, well, either you go on the pill or you get an IUD or, and just stop complaining and leave, you know, go away. So the first difference is 
um, between, you know, one is the length of time that a functional medicine practitioner or clinician will spend with you um, versus your primary care provider or your, your GP. Um, you know, they typically in the UK, I lived in the UK for 20 years. I'm now in San Diego. I grew up in Trinidad and it's the same Western medical model wherever you go. So the Western medicine model is that you um, you go in, they sit down, they're like, what's the problem? And then they go through like some charts and they see, okay, this symptom matches with this drug and they hand it over to you in terms of giving you a prescription. And then they're like, you know, see how you do, come back in a month, two months, whenever, or, or you do some blood work or something. And you're like, oh, this looks a little bit elevated, but don't worry, nothing to worry about. It's just kind of borderline. And you might be saying, well, I have symptoms. I'm really tired. Um, I've had gas and bloating. My periods aren't really great. Um, they're heavy. They're painful. Um, believe it or not, that is not normal. Um, and, you know, you might be complaining about certain things, but they do blood work and they're like, oh, nothing really to worry about. Everything looks great. You know, check you in a year, you know, and we'll see if it worsens. And then if it does, then we'll put you on some drugs. So that's the sort of traditional Western approach. And the functional approach is well, when you come in and you sit down and talk to me before that, even before anything else even happens, we start off with your whole history. So you start filling out like a ton of forms. Like my husband just complained the other day because he had to see someone, a functional provider. And he's like, oh my God, that just took me an hour and a half to fill out <laughs> forms. It's like, well, how are we going to get like information, like the best kind of information if we don't, you know, do that so that the case, the, 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 the client history is a big, big part of it. And being able to sit down and review that in tandem with lab work and the labs that we're doing is not just blood work like we're looking at saliva we're looking at hair we're looking at urine we're looking at um at stool because like remember i was talking about the gut before being so important with anxiety and a bunch of other things skin etc um so there are a ton of tests that we will run and then we'll sit down with you and say okay this is explaining why you're feeling this way, even if your blood work has said you're normal, because the thing about blood work that everyone should really understand is that the blood is a snapshot of a moment in time, right? It's not predictive. It's just telling you what's going on right now. And the ranges that your Western doctor is going to be using, they're very broad and they're measured and averaged against a sick population. And what we've got happening in functional medicine is that we have narrower ranges because we're looking for optimal health, like optimum functioning. So that broad measuring you against a sick population to tell you that you're normal, we know that that's no good. And that's why, you know, I had a client who had a thyroid was elevated at like 4.5 or something. And they told that she was normal. I was like, no, an optimal range for your thyroid is between one and two. We don't want to see it at 4.5. But she was having problems with fertility, endometriosis, you know, and really struggling, lots of pain, lots of issues. And they were telling her that she was normal. So when she came to me and I sat with her and I looked at her, her blood work, I said, okay, well, first of all, you know, this is like, it's telling me that things, there's a dysfunction going on here. And we're going to look into that before it becomes a full blown disease. And I think that's what I love about functional medicine. It's like looking for how well all the different systems in the body are actually functioning. So instead of just looking at this one little snapshot and thinking, oh, yeah, everything looks OK. It's like, well, let's see how the hormones are doing. Let's see how the immune system's doing. Let's see how the digestive system's doing, your detox system's doing, your energy production and your nervous system. So we call them the hidden stressors. So hormones, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production and nervous system. 
And then that gives us a picture, a really clear picture of where we need to focus our efforts after that. So it's looking for nutritional imbalances, all those sorts of really, really cool things, balance of bacteria in your gut, overgrowth of, of pathogens, et cetera, all that kind of really cool stuff. Um, and it gets really, really, what I love about it is that it's so personal. And that's the real difference, um, apart from the amount of time and all that other great stuff. We're looking for why, and we're looking at how it pertains to you rather than, oh yeah, go on a paleo diet. Oh yeah, I'm good. go vegan. It's not like that. And traditional dietitians and, and, um, and sometimes even regular nutritionists will not do any testing because they'll just say, well, why don't you try the low FODMAP diet? Or why don't you try this diet? But they don't personalize it because what works for you might not work for me. And what I love about functional medicine is that we can get really, really personal with um, with diet and exercise and rest and stress reduction and, and supplementation. And the length of time that I work with a person isn't 10 minutes. You know, I'm going to spend a good two hours in our first kickoff session. And then I'm going to see you pretty regularly after that for a minimum of three months while we recorre- recorrect and, and address all the imbalances that might have shown up in your labs. Yes. And, you know, the average, you know, GP session here in Australia is 10 minutes. You get 10 minutes. And if you need longer, you need to pay more money for a 15 minute consult. But, you know, I know my doctors told me before, you know, I've gone in to say, get blood test results. And I'm like, okay. And can I ask you about this? And she's like, no, just one thing. Like you've got your 10 minutes. You can talk to me about one thing. If you need to ask me about something else, then you need to pay for an extra five minutes because it needs to be a double appointment. So it's, you know, she's saying that again, that the health can be separated and that we can only deal with one thing. Whereas a lot of the time we know, as you were just saying, everything is interconnected. So if you've got one thing happening and and another thing, then they're probably going to be related by something that's happening in the body. But that's just an example of, of how I think from what I've experienced in Western medicine, that it's not as um, cohesive, it's not as thorough, um, and I love the whole thing of functional medicine. Um, but I also think, too, on the flip side, the patient coming in needs to be open to learning more and spending that time because I think a lot of people think that it should just be a quick fix and you know that I don't want to spend a lot of time on this I do just want something that's gonna be quickly and the doctor has that answer for me yeah you're 100% right you know I I've always said I've never been in the business of convincing anybody that this is a good thing to do like I've come to it because when I had seen every ologist known to man after seven years, by the way. So my journey, my own personal journey took about seven years before I discovered functional medicine. And I had gone through the endocrinologists, the urologists, the gynecologists, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, did it all. And then ended up like discovering functional medicine. And you know what? My job at Barclays was actually a blessing because I was running this wellbeing program. I had um, a whole team of various providers around me and I'd have like different events and, and cool things and people that I'd bring in. And I brought in a functional nutritionist, but she was there to talk about children's health. And when she started listing off all the issues that you could have from taking multiple courses of antibiotics and what that could do to your child's gut and what it would do to their skin and what it would do to their attention and focus and what it would do, you know, to their mood. And I was like, oh my God, every single thing she's listing off, I've got. And I had been on about 50 courses of antibiotics across my life, like since I was little. Um, you know, I was in the Caribbean and the first thing the doctors would do would be like, here you go, your throat hurts, here's some antibiotics. Oh, you got a blocked nose, here's some antibiotics. Oh, you've got a cough, here's, you've got an air infection, here's some antibiotics. So like literally 
and I had no immune system and one course of antibiotics. I want everybody to listen to this. One course of antibiotics will wipe out your gut immunity for up to one year, right? So your gut bacteria gets wiped out and you need your gut bacteria. We have over a trillion microorganisms living within our, our intestines and that helps with our immunity. We've got about 80% of our immunity is actually in our gut. So which is why food is so important. Um, and then of course, most of our neurotransmitters, we've got about 70% of those are created within our gut as well. And hormones are converted within our gut. So the gut's really, really important. And that's why I've got the name, the gutsy executive coach, because I like helping people connect the gut with the brain, with the skin, with the energy and the mood and all that cool stuff and helping you perform and really be at your best and being powerful in your body and your mind. So if someone's listening in going, yes, I definitely want to start changing my gut health, where do you suggest that they start with just, you know, easy straight away, they can listen to this and then go, yeah, I'm going to implement this now. Yeah. So in the absence of testing, I love this question. In the absence of starting off with testing, start paying attention to how certain things make you feel. So when you eat certain foods, um, notice like, am I sleepy after I eat this? Like within two to four hours after eating it, do I have a headache? Do I feel a little foggy? Like I can't really think. These are clues that whatever it is that you're eating is not actually that great for you, that it's like hurting you, right? So that it's it's taking energy from you because ultimately food is meant to give us energy. So if you notice that when you eat, you become itchy, cranky, um, sleepy, you know, kind of zapped after having something, that's a clue. So maybe keeping a diary, a food diary or a journal, that would be a good way to start paying attention to if what you're doing is actually good for you or not. Um, uh, and then something else that you could potentially do is like, believe it or not, sleep is so important for your gut health. If you could start going to bed at like a decent time. And when I say decent, like 10 PM, because the gut and the brain start to repair themselves between 10 and, and the liver between sort of like 10 and 2 AM, 10 PM, 2 AM. So you want to make sure that you're getting into bed at a good time because then that actually helps with the body regenerating and restoring itself. It actually helps with production of anti-aging hormone, right? So I know a lot of people, when they hear that, that's like DHEA, like, yeah, that's your anti-aging hormone. So when they hear that, like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I won't need to buy some, <laughs> you know, lotions, whatever. So you'd save some money if you start going to bed at a, a decent time, getting off the phone. Um, you can invest in a tracker of some sort as well, like some sort of wearable tech. So I have an aura ring. I know you guys can't see it. I'm showing Kate because she's on the camera with me, but I've got an aura ring and it tells me so many cool things about my heart rate variability, which is a measure for stress and how well my body is recovering because it looks at how you're sleeping across the evening, your body temperature how well you're breathing, your respiratory rate, if you're missing breaths throughout the night. So it's a good way to figure out if you've got like sleep apnea um, and that can cause to you know lead to brain fog and all kinds of other things as well because you're not getting enough oxygen. Um, so some sort of wearable tech would be a good way to just get going right away. So that's three things right there. I don't want to load you up with any more. I think like journaling, getting to bed at a certain time and then monitoring so things like your sleep, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, really, really good and getting some sort of wearable tech. And then then if you want to take the next step, then you can get into lab work and doing all that other fun stuff and personalizing and tweaking things for you. 
Yes, well, the aura ring is on my list. I know they're really big in the States, um, and that's how I've heard of it. I don't, I've never met anybody in Australia that even has one. I know I can get one shipped here, so I've already looked them um, up. But also, I've heard a lot about the whoop as well that you can get, which is tracks heart rate variability and stuff as well. So, there is more and more tech coming out there, and I think they can be a really great, useful tool. But I know I often say to my clients, because I have one client that comes in and she's listening to this podcast, she'll know. Um, She relies on the tech a little bit too much because she will look at her sleep score in the morning and be like, oh, it only gave me a, you know, a six or a 60% or whatever it is. And so then she feels bad and then almost sets her day up like she's not going to be as productive because her sleep wasn't as good anyway. So I think it can be really great, useful information, but we have to almost separate it from it affecting, you know, our day as in a sense. That's a mindset like issue that you could look into as well. Like if you start feeling defeated because rather than looking at it as an opportunity for growth, because that's the way that you've got to turn these things around. Like you see like, oh, I'm not doing too good today. Okay, what can I do to make it better? And recently, like I, you know, I just said, I came back from the Caribbean from like a week and a half with my family and I hadn't seen them in a while. And I spent zero time on social media, uh, zero time watching television because I was hanging out with people and actually connecting like real, like real social interaction rather than fake social interaction on the phone. And my heart rate variability went up to the highest it had been in about 12 months. And what's happening since I've come back, I'm watching it slowly going down because I'm spending more time on devices, watching TV close to bed. And the other night I tried a little experiment. I said, well, let's see what happens if I just don't watch TV for about 15 minutes before I go to bed and I do a little gratitude journaling instead. You know, because my husband and I, like, we, we wind down, we kind of snuggle on the couch and watch TV and fall asleep. And then we're like, okay, let's take ourselves off to bed. But what I was noticing is that my heart rate variability was changing, like, I'm not for the better. So my little experiment a couple nights ago where I'm like, let's just see if this changes anything up. Um, because, you know, I wake up and I see it and I'm like, oh, that's not so good. Like a couple of weeks ago, it was really good. And I guess that's because I was not having the blue light exposure and I was actually having real bonding and connections and oxytocin and all that cool, cool stuff that really does actually physically change your body, right? It's not just, oh, socializing is good for you. It's actually physically on a cellular level, it's regenerative. And I saw it happen. And so when I did that little thing where I was like 15 minutes, I was like, I I didn't fall asleep in front of it. I took myself off to bed at a sensible time. We're normally in bed by about 9, 9.30 anyway. Um, And I decided to just do a little journaling, do a little bit of reading and Lo and behold, my heart rate variability that, that that night had changed. It actually had gone up by a few points. And I thought, okay, very, very interesting. Blue light really is a thing. Um, and I think the human connection is a big thing too. Like, And I'm going to do a little experiment with that as well, where he and I actually chat before going to bed rather than just kind of like passing out. So um, I think there's, there's a lot to what we can do on a cellular level that doesn't require anything super fancy, right? Just you know, turning off the television and writing in your journal or calling a friend and chatting with them or connecting with the person who you live with. Very, very simple, basic human things that can actually really make a big impact on the way that your body heals and restores itself and your energy levels. Yeah, I love that. But I think so many of us have probably lost that. Like you said, you know, you're often, you know, watch TV before your bed or go on your phone or you do know what I mean, have these habits that may not be conducive to helping with sleep and and slowing down and de-stressing. So if we're looking to change 
say a habit of watching TV because, you know, habit change is hard. And again, this is where mindset comes in. What are some of the things that we can do to successfully change a habit? Okay, well, for one, start up with a little experiment of N equals one, right? So you, you tell yourself, all right, for this week or for tonight, I just want to try just one step. Literally, all you got to do is just take one simple step. And, you know, it's the same. You think about marathon runners. They don't think of the end of the race. They're literally just thinking of just get one foot in front of the other while they're running the race. Okay. Uh, Maybe they might have done some visualization and stuff before, but when you're in that space, you literally just have to think of, I just got to put one foot in front of the other and keep going. So habit creation is exactly that. It's just like, put it in your in your calendar. Like that's something that I get my clients to do straight away. I was like, okay, you're saying you're committing to this. Let's get your calendar out and let's pop it in there right now. So if you want to block out thinking time, uh, date with myself time, uh, journal time, whatever you want to call it, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe two hours. Maybe you want to give yourself a really nice big chunk of time, put it in the calendar, tell other people in your life that this is something that you're doing, if they will be supportive. So if you've got supportive people, draw on that, because that's going to be such a community, we underestimate the importance of having like minded people around us and having their support. So if you've got people who will support you, friends, a partner, children, you could even get your kids involved. I see my, my sister does that with her children all the time. She's like, okay, I'm going to start doing yoga. And I'll be like, have you done it? She's like, eh, not really. I said, you know, get your daughter involved. And, you know, my niece gets involved and the two of them, they say, okay, we're going to do yoga together like every morning for 20 minutes. And they pull each other up and they do that. So it doesn't have to be something that you do on your own, even though you might want to because you think, oh, I need like 20 minutes to myself. But I'm using yoga as an example. It could be the getting into bed earlier thing. Tell your husband, tell your partner, your whoever, like, I actually want to get to bed a little bit early because I think I'll actually have more energy when I do. Um, and I'll feel better tomorrow and I'll be nicer to you. <laughs> that could be a thing, you know, like you'll be nicer to everyone around you, you won't be hangry. Because the problem when we don't sleep is not just, oh, you're tired. You start signaling certain cells to switch on genes that you don't want to switch on. So disease creating cells, right? So that's one thing. So when you don't get enough sleep, you start obesity cells get triggered as well because you start being hungrier and you start grab going for foods that are um, quick release energy. And those are usually like the poorer choice type foods. They're like, you know, your Kit Kats, your Snickers bars, uh, lots of coffee. And then that elevates cortisol, makes you more stressed. And that kind of creates this vicious cycle of where you're just looking for, for, um, for quick fixes to make you feel good. And those quick fixes generally aren't the greatest types of food. So you end up like slowing down your metabolism, then eating food that just gunks up your entire system um, because it's just high sugar and spiking your blood sugar and all those those horrible things, you know, gumming up your, your liver on top of it. So it's just like this cycle that will continue. So if you have someone in your life that you can talk to and just say, look, they're I'm doing this not because I want to lose weight or because I want to look skinny or whatever. I want to do this because I want to feel better and I want to be nicer to everyone around me. And I want my brain to work. You know, how many people who come into me and tell me like, I don't really think my brain's working anymore. I got to think really hard to remember where I put my keys. I got to, you know, and, and, and that's a thing like that short term memory, not working very well. Like how many people do you know can remember phone numbers? Barely anyone. 
you know, and that is a consequence of the way that we're living now because we are so dependent on our phones. But these little things like just trying to keep your brain flexible, trying to remember like little things can go a long way, like something like try and remember a phone number today. Tell somebody in your life, like, I want to get to bed earlier because it's going to make it's going to it's going to be nicer for everyone else if I do. You know, these are some simple things like just drawing from that power of community and realizing that small steps eventually lead to to big, big changes. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that you can download a free 15 minute core Pilates workout that I've designed especially for you to work your entire body and your core, including your pelvic floor and deep layer of abdominals to really build strength, stability and mobility. This is a nice quick workout you can fit into your day. It's definitely 100% doable. You don't need any equipment to do it. And I guarantee once you finish your 15 minutes of Pilates, you will feel stronger, more energized, taller and really joyful and happy for moving your body and getting those endorphins moving. So don't forget, head on over to the show notes and download that free core workout and try some Pilates with me. I can't wait to see you on your mat. Yeah, well, there are so many things that people can instigate very easily. I love the, you know, going to bed just that little bit earlier, just, you know, starting to create that routine and that habit. Um, And as you sort of said, you know, if we can start that and then have a consistency within it, then we're obviously going to be set up for a, a better success in the end. Mm -hmm. And if you struggle, then hire someone, you know, like we, we always think that we have to do all these things alone. Like if someone in your life isn't supportive, then find someone who is and maybe that is a coach that you've got to work with. And someone is going to keep you on the straight and narrow and keep you accountable and not make you feel bad if you fall off the wagon, because we're human, life happens, you know, not everybody's not every week is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be perfect. But if you can just think I did one thing today that was good for myself then that would be enough, right? Like that would be enough. And then you can build on that. It's like, okay, this week, I'm just going to focus on sleep. And then you, you nail sleep. Then the next week, going to focus on, you know, taking my supplements, you know, and then the week after I'm going to remove some of the trigger foods. And within a month to, you know, six, six weeks, you have really started transforming so much of your body as well as your mind. Yeah. And that link, you know, you may, you may start out thinking that you want to change your diet because you want to look good in your bikini. But I think, you know, when you see the effects that it has on your performance, on your focus, on the, you know, that then becomes more of your why to keep going. Because when winter comes around, you know, who cares about the bikini anymore? It's all about how we're feeling and, and how we're performing. Exactly. And, you know, ultimately, you cannot go into trying to solve a problem with the same mindset that got you into it. So people who show up and say, wait, I thought you were just going to give me a meal plan and some supplements. I'm like, well, the food is one It's the food is like a symptom of other things that are going on, like, you know, the poor choices. Like if you weren't anxious or stressed and you had energy, then you wouldn't be craving the junk food. Right. This is just a broad example. Right. So you would have to change the way that you're behaving, change the way that you're thinking about health as well. And and instead of thinking of like, oh, pizza is a treat, 
think about like actually pizza is going to be super harmful if I have it every single day. Uh, and I'm not saying everything in moderation either. That's a slogan that I absolutely cannot stand hearing. It's just like, no, that that doesn't work for everybody at all. Some people can't handle any moderation. So it's more like, you know, you have to eat what works best for you. So just that bio-individuality and being personal and customizing your food is going to be really important. But back to um, small, simple steps and mindset, you know, um, you've got to be thinking literally with new eyes and new perspective and really thinking like I'm doing this for myself. Like this is actually good for me and I want to do more things that are good for me. So I hope that, um, you know, it's, if you think about how much you value yourself, how much you value your energy and your time, and you have to think, I'm not going to let anything get in the way of committing to myself. That is the, that's the shift in mindset that needs to happen in order to be able to stick with it. I agree. And I think that can be hard because so many women don't value their time, their health. They value looking after other people, you know, preparing and, and looking, you know, it might be your kids, it might be your friends, it might be that outward perception of what people think of me. And I think sometimes that weighs more he- heavily than what we need to do for ourselves and some of that is cultural and some of that is upbringing but I think you know it is shifting but for a lot of people it's it's a hard shift to think I have to put myself first it makes sense and if like you know the same old analogy if you're on the airplane and the oxygen masks come down you have to put yours on first so that you can help others I think everybody hears that over and over but putting it into action you know when you've got your kids and and your partner and your loved ones wanting and needing things from you, I think it can be hard. It can. And what ends up happening is that we um, we tend to go for, again, quick fix, um, instant gratification to make us feel better. So we'll go for the mani-pedi or the facial or the designer handbag or designer shoes um, in order to feel like I'm taking care of myself. But that's that's the same sort of band-aid kind of approach approaches as medicine right it's just like it's not really dealing with the real issue that you're not prioritizing your your own health you're just sort of like oh I'll just pacify and placate for right now and you know back to I I think what you were just talking about was really interesting you were talking about women always putting themselves last and like I said with my mother I saw it over and over and over she was a martyr definitely that was her archetype she was a martyr you know she wanted to be the and because her self-worth and her value was in being needed and I saw it playing out in my first marriage um I've been I've married twice and more recently it took me about 10 years before I got remarried but my first marriage I definitely saw that coming out and I was like why am I sacrificing everything for this one person who isn't gonna ever be able to the ROI was just so not worth it because I wasn't getting back what I was putting in at all and I was just ending up depleted and drained and exhausted and I think so many women are so busy marching to the beat of somebody else's drum. That's why they become burnt out and they become overwhelmed because they're not doing enough of what's actually good for them or what lights them up or what gives them joy. So 
um, I, I have said that I've been in that super reflective place because I've been like, I've been with my family. It was very joyful. Like, am I, am I still doing that? Am I still in that place? You know, I've been questioning, like, am I still putting myself and my needs on the back burner? And, you know, it's good for us to reflect on these things at the end of a day, sometimes to go on a retreat, maybe just go hang out with a, a couple of girlfriends and just ask these kinds of questions. Cause with women, you can, like men don't want to talk about this sort of stuff, but women do want to sit around and discuss. They, they listen to podcasts about this kind of stuff. They want to tune in and figure out how can I be better? And the way to be better is to actually listen to yourself and listen to what you need and actually give yourself what you need. So you need to create space and silence for that, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I often say to people, you can learn, you can listen to this podcast and it's fantastic information, but you then have to instigate, you have to act because otherwise nothing's going to change. 100%. So, you know, if you're biblical or religious, they say faith without works is dead. That's a proverb. So, um, you know, if you can like, oh, I believe that um, that all this, this is the right thing to do. But if you don't go and do it, it's pointless, right? Yeah. So, um, so you want to be able to start taking action, take inspired action, you know, surround yourself with other people who are doing it, listen to the podcast, watch the movies, or, you know, instead of watching things that are like, um, I don't know, like, which is what we used to do a lot of early on in our marriage, like we would just sit down and watch a lot of violent things. <laughs> because I was like, Oh, violence is super relaxing. I love watching stuff blow up. But I'm like, this is not actually very good for me. Like, I'm going to bed with the stuff in my consciousness. Maybe what I should do is create a little playlist of some cool educational things that I actually want to learn more about that I could actually fill my brain up with instead of this other stuff. So, you know, I encourage you, like, if you are actually committed to your health, then start seeking out who are the people in this space that are going to be giving me the information that's going to be useful to me, that's actually going to help me grow and help me become better and become the best person that I can possibly be. And create a playlist, either, you know, on YouTube or your podcast or listening to your favorite ones, record them, make notes, have little podcast parties where you chat with people about what happened. I had a little book club that was going on like that, where we were part of this. Um, it was a bunch of ladies who were also in my group program, but we decided to have like this little spin off because we were all like very into these certain books that we were like really, um, you know, all about health and, and beating autoimmunity and all that kind of stuff. And it was so cool. Like we meet once a week and talk about the books and what we learned and, you know, what a different chapter meant to us. And, I think those types of things are more inspiring and uplifting and they will help fill your cup up more than, you know, numbing out time in front of the TV, right? Because that's all that is. It's just numbing. It's not, it's not actually doing anything useful. So, you know, filling up your brain, how you invest your energy, where you spend your time, who you spend your time with. Um, is it just ask yourself these questions? Is this actually helping me on my way to being the best person that I can be? And if it's not, Bennett. Yeah. Well, I know I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about the level of violence in, say, TV shows and movies. I feel like for me, and it's, you know, this is just a, an observation, but I feel like when Game of Thrones came out, for if anybody's seen Game of Thrones, it took violence and, you know, graphicness, even sex scenes and stuff to the next level. It was, to me, I feel like I hadn't seen that much in one go in a TV series, probably in particular. You can seek it out in movies, but it's usually got an R rating and things like that. But I feel like, you know, that was like a change. And now there are a lot more 
you know, intense violence scenes and more graphicness in a lot more TV series and movies than there used to be. So I feel like we're almost being desensitised in a sense to this. But as you said, it's not conducive to being in that parasympathetic state where we're calming our nervous system, especially before bed. It really is going to put us in that flight, you know, or fight state. So trying to avoid that before bed is great. But they always say that about the news as well. Like, you know, the news is generally not going to be beneficial for your mindset or your mood or your performance. So, you know, focusing on on trying to drop back into that parasympathetic state, whether or not it's through, you know, listening to something educational or, you know, singing or dancing or um, doing a meditation, um, it's better to drop into that state. But I just thought, you know, you bringing that up about balance just made me kind of think about that and segue to it. I think it's so good that you brought that up because I am horrified by the things that I see on television whenever I do. I mean, we don't even have like real TV anymore either. We got Netflix and Amazon Prime. And that in itself is like, I, I'm disturbed. Like some of it's so disturbing. There are things that you see and you're like, oh my God, why Why would someone dream that up and put that on a screen? So now it's like embedded in my subconscious forever. I can't get, I can't unsee some of these things, you know? So I'm very selective now. Um, you know, I think during COVID as well, like you were, you were numbing out because there was so much crap going on in the world and you just like, I don't want to really deal with any of this. So I think we've developed a couple of not so great habits because of that, like just sort of like sitting around and watching a lot of TV, but I am actively working against that. And I love that you talked about the fact that you can't get into a good headspace or, you know, have that, you have that nervous system balance or reset right before bed. Like, and that's the thing, like if your dreams start becoming disturbed because you got people chasing you in your dreams, because you're watching crazy crap on TV, like that's not restorative in the slightest, is it? Right. Yeah. Exactly. It just, no. but yeah, it's just, it's interesting because I was having a conversation with somebody else and they had noticed the same thing. So um, I often think, am I the only one noticing these things or are other people thinking it too? <laughs> I think there are some people who are definitely being numbed by it because some I have some Facebook friends who I noticed that they're like, oh my God, did you see Squid Games? It was amazing. I was like, there is, you could not pay me to watch that. Like there's I, no way. Yeah, yeah I was could the not. same. Yeah. I was like, like I Headed. I was like, why are they making us think that this is okay? Like, yeah, watching um, on a whole different level. It was really interesting because a lot of people, you know, it was very hyped up at the time, and a lot of people said, "Oh, watch Squid Games." What? Uh, so we put on the first episode, and you know, within the first ten minutes, they essentially show you what's going to happen and um, for the storyline, and we were just like we're done. We're not going to spend, let's just say it's eight episodes at an hour, eight hours of our life um, watching people die you know what I mean I was just like this whole concept of a show is wrong but it was interesting that so many people it was one of those addictive shows that people were really drawn to whereas I was like you know what nah this is not something I need to expose myself to so yeah super creepy about that because I actually know someone very close to me in London who got approached by a producer for being in a real life squid games so like yeah which is initially which is when I first saw it come out I said they are gonna make us think that this is okay and then there's gonna be like real life hunger games and I'm like no not into it nope not buying it so there's certain things like I'm you know cancel your subscription to Netflix that's like what I would say just cancel it just be done don't don't tune into that stuff 
um, tune into better things. Like, I mean, YouTube has, it's full of crap too, but at least you can kind of filter the crap and you can be like, oh, I'm going to follow this doctor. I'm going to follow this healer or, you know, this Pilates instructor or whatever. And I'm going to listen to what they have to say, because at least that way you can create your own TV, your own playlist that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also I think what you brought up before about being reflective, if you are watching those shows and you are going, yeah, I, I don't feel amazing. Like, you know, if you finish watching something and you, you just feel terrible and, you know, anxious or, you know, almost dropping into a depressive state, then it's maybe time to turn it off. But I think just building that awareness around it is a good first step as well. Yeah. And angry, just remember angry. So anxious, depressed, but angry, because I think the violence, you know, we watch violence and you can act out violence because you keep seeing it happening over and over and over. So I would say like, be mindful, be very, very mindful and about what you consume, not just food, but what you consume, you know, in the ether. Yeah. And I, we're running it short on time, but I do want to segue and ask you about the hypnotherapy just in relation to how you utilize it in your practice. Well, I love that we were just talking about brainwashing and now we're yeah. talking. <laughs> so that's a really good thing. Right? <laughs> the therapy is, um, you know, they, they they see, I think everyone has seen Shallow Hal with Tony Robbins and, and um, uh, Jack Black. And they kind of think like, oh, someone's going to snap their fingers and you're going to fall unconscious and then you're going to get um, embed. These thoughts are going to be embedded into you and you can't, you know, you get a trigger and whatever. It's not really like that. Like that's a stage hypnosis technique and it's all stooges and fake. Um, but what really, what hypnotherapy is essentially about and how I incorporate into the work that I do is helping you to become conscious of the unconscious. So the things that you want to consciously create in your life and the stuff that you'd like to release we we address that in a session so it is a combination of like psychotherapy um counseling even a little bit and some coaching and then what we do which is the fun part is that I get to repeat it back to you like what it is that you want what are your hopes and dreams the vision that you want to create I repeat that back to you while you're in a very deeply relaxed state so using certain breathing techniques um, certain affirmations and repetition in particular works really, really well for getting the body into that parasympathetic, super deeply relaxed state. But what's interesting is that everyone thinks you become unconscious, but you don't. You actually tune everything else out and you start tuning in to yourself. So that's what's really beautiful about it. Um, and yes, you can, you can feel like a, a bit of like a, a dreamlike state, like an altered type of state, but it's because you're bypassing all of the noise and you're getting really, really deeply down to what's inside of you and being able to embed some of the things that you want to embed and letting go because sometimes we might use you know a visualization to help you release something that you don't want to continue doing or we might use a visualization for helping you create the future you that you want to to be um, and professional athletes do this a lot they call it mental rehearsal and visualization so they always visualize what being successful and, and victory will look like. And I do the same thing with, with corporate clients. I do it with my clients who've got problems with anxiety or with phobias. Phobias is probably one of the biggest ones. You know, fear of flying, fear of spiders, although I think fear of spiders is actually quite healthy. But um, <laughs> Well, it's something that can hurt us. <laughs> yeah, something I can actually for fear of sharks but um but yeah fear of flying you know uh, these are these are things that 
they can be very easily overcome in like five to six sessions of hypnosis. And yeah, and that's, you know, I've, I had a client who was afraid of flying for about 35 years of her life. And she said, I'm never going to be able to get over this. And I, I have been faking it. I'm supposed to get on a plane with my husband to go to, you know, they were, they weren't married yet, but they were going to become married. And she's like, I have to get on a plane for my honeymoon. And I'm terrified. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. We're getting on a propeller plane from, from Egypt to Sharm, from, uh, from Cairo to Sharm el-Sheikh. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So I said, don't worry, like, just leave it with me. And, you know, six weeks later, what ended up happening? She got married. Wedding was great no jitters, nothing fabulous. She gets on the propeller plane. So the woman next to her is having a meltdown and she's able to like help her through the meltdown because she said she was just so calm throughout the entire thing. And she didn't even need to listen to the recording before. So it's amazing what it can do, like in terms of rewiring and resetting your brain. It's like the perfect example of neuroplasticity. Um, and for people who don't know about neuroplasticity, just super quickly, you know, the brain, we've always thought it was static and that it doesn't change after we get to a certain age. But what we've seen more in the last sort of like 10, 15 years is that it's actually very dynamic so that it can expand, it can grow, it can respond to stimulus. And if you keep feeding it positive things, it will seek out more positive experiences. And if you keep feeding it negative things, then it's like you're building a bridge for a negative pathway. So these neural pathways, you can literally rewire them just through the way that you're thinking. And that's why I do love things like gratitude. I love meditation because that is a neural rewiring. And even just, yeah, the words that you're using and, you know, like I said, the conversations you're having, the things you're being exposed to, those are things that are wiring your brain in a particular way. So if you want to kind of elevate the way that you're thinking, elevate your consciousness, elevate your energy. Best way to do that is to do things that are in in alignment with that and live in alignment with that. So hypnosis in a nutshell, repetition, state of relaxation, visualization, affirmations. That's it. So yeah, but it's all the good stuff, but in all a more focused. Exactly. In a state of focus. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. So if you are struggling with maybe making some of these changes, but you really want to, then it might be a good place to kind of explore as well. Yeah. Um, and that's why I use them in tandem with each other, because people do sometimes find it challenging to be like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to break that habit. I'm like, don't worry, we got this. Like we're going to, you know, you're going to have your own personalized recording with words that are specific about you and that reflect your situation rather than, than, you know, something generic that you might download off of the internet about weight loss or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I have to just chat about the whole plane fear of flying thing. Cause I was actually just listening to a podcast with a neuroscientist and she was chatting about people with the fear of flying and how control or the lack of it when you're flying is one of the main issues that people have because they have no control. And we as humans really love having control. So when it's taken away from us, then that's when we freak out. But um, some of the things she was saying that the they have done to try to help passengers overcome that fear of flying is looking at the screen on the plane where it shows you where the plane is headed, how many miles it's travelled, how fast it's travelled, so that you even it's that just having that perception of having some control over what you're doing will help with reducing some of those fears. Yeah, 100%. And I love that they're doing that. I mean, that's actually the underlying issue with anxiety. It's a lack of feeling like you're in control. So and panic attacks and, and all those things. So phobias, panic attacks, anxiety, they all have that root of not feeling like you've got a handle on what's going on around you and your surroundings. 
So I love that the airlines are tapping into that and helping people distract themselves because the distraction is also a really key component to it as well and substituting behaviors. Um, so that's that's what they they put in place there. That's a substituting behavior um, that, you know, it's a distraction and it's going to keep their brains occupied so that they're not thinking about all the things that could go wrong, which is the catastrophizing aspect of, of fear. Fear and anxiety is all about, you know, you people end up catastrophizing and projecting like all the worst case scenarios. But as far as I know, no plane has ever been brought down by turbulence. And that's one of the first things that we start off like telling people like it's never happened. So um, yeah, which is good to know. <laughs> but they were also saying too with the um, in-flight sort of safety videos that no one ever wants to watch them because no one ever wants to think that something bad's going to happen. So they kind of like, you know, they don't look at the hostess that's, that's um, demonstrating and they don't really kind of watch the videos. So what have a lot of the airlines have done now is they have incorporated the safety into a destination video. So if you're, say, on a plane to Hawaii, it'll be like, we're arriving at the Hawaii Islands and these are the things that you you can see and they're changing it into a, a positive way to include the safety information and an exciting way in the sense that you'll learn more info about where you're traveling to. Uh, and they said that people have actually started watching those videos before they even get on the plane rather than, you know, they used to just get on the plane and then blank out because they didn't want to think about a dire situation happening. Yeah, well, that's that's brilliant. I love that they're doing that. Um, I haven't seen that yet, though, got to tell you. Um, you know, I don't think they do it on United or even BA. They haven't done that yet. So... <laughs> Yeah, they have. Um, I've been on Air New Zealand a few years ago prior to COVID um, and they had done it on there and, and we watched the video because it was very entertaining um, and very funny. And obviously with it being New Zealand, they put in like references to Lord of the Rings and, you know, things that they're, they're famous for in New Zealand. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting way that businesses are now incorporating, you know, the, the theory of control and mindset and all these things to, to help their business essentially, but it also helps people that are, are utilising their products and services too. It's called edutainment, I think. I think that's the, that's the new catchphrase for edutainment so that you can teach people things without having to petrify them and for them to actually... <laughs> engaged in the story which is it's just um vital for anything to actually stick and get in right yeah a hundred percent now if listeners were you know this is the question i always ask to wrap up the podcast if listeners listening in today could go off and instigate one piece of health advice straight away what would you suggest Oh boy, I, this is a hard one um, because being happy is just so multifaceted and being healthy. And um, I think, I think giving yourself that space to ask those questions, like giving, finding space every day, like, am I happy? Am I doing what makes me happy? Am I living in alignment with my values? Am I married to the person I should be married to? Or, you know, like those big questions. And even if they might be like, whoa, I, I don't know if I can deal with all of this right now. That's okay. But at least you're waking up because ultimately, again, all these things, like they signal your cells. So if you want to be the healthiest, happiest human that you can possibly be, and that is my mission to make sure that you are um, most fulfilled, you know, you need to ask those big questions. You need to figure out like, if I had to drop down tomorrow, or if, if the world ended tomorrow, like, have I done everything that I have wanted to do? Have I been happy? Do I go to bed thinking like, wow, that was a great day, you know, um, creating that time, carving out that space, making sure that you rest for success, 
um, really, really big things that I think um, more so than, oh, look out for the carbs or look out for, you know, add more protein. And, you know, everyone thinks that health is going to be all about like exercise and food. And I was like, no, you know, that's secondary because that comes because these other things are not in place. Like when we're not happy, we we engage in unhealthier behaviors. So figuring out what makes you happy will make sure that you're like actually aligned to the things that, um, you know, you'll be eating in the right way. You'll be looking after yourself in the right way. Um, asking yourself big questions and making sure you've got the space to figure them out is vital. So the one piece of advice, yeah, find more restorative things and seek out joy. Yeah. Make joy your priority. I love it. That's been one of mine the last few years, especially. And I think, you know, with everything that has happened the last few years, a lot of people have been a a lot more reflective. And, you know, we've seen it change in society with people moving, you know, closer to the coast or where they'd ideally like to live or changing jobs or whatever. Um, I think it's almost people have started to, I say, sort of wake up to, you know, the way that they want life to be rather than kind of just going on with the flow of, of what it is. Exactly. And, you know, I saw it with my mom and, you know, she was living somebody when I got married to my first husband, I was living her dream. And I'm like, this isn't really my life. Like I'm living out somebody else's expectations and it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't making me well. And, you know, these are things that we got to wake up to because eventually the suppression or the repression, I don't know which one it is. It's probably a combination of both. It does lead to, um, you know, the body turning on itself, attacking itself, dis-ease, all that sort of stuff. So if you want to avoid all of that, just learn to be happy and seek out your joy, find your joy, follow it, whatever, wherever that takes you. So um, that would be my parting words to your to your listeners. Amazing. Now, where can listeners, you know, reach out, connect and find out, you know, more about you and and your services? That's such a great question. Um, So I would love to gift them um, a 10 minute positive reset. So it's not exactly hypnosis. It's a little bit of breath work, um, but it is a relaxation exercise. So I would love to give that to people because it helps them reset the way that they're thinking, as well as it includes some beautiful affirmations. And it's on raywynreset.com. So I'll spell it for you. R-A-E-W-Y-N-R-E-S-E-T.com. And you can download that there and start getting, creating your beautiful new future because it will get you into that headspace of projecting into what it is you really want. Well, I'll put that in the show notes too. So I'll pop a link in the show notes so people can head there and check it out. Um, and are you on socials and stuff as well? I'm on Instagram. Um, so I'm instagram.com forward slash gutsy executive, cho- gutsy executive coach and also on LinkedIn on just Raywin Guerrero, just my name and Facebook. I have a free Facebook group for anybody who wants to see more of me, talk to me, chat with me because I host regular lives in there. Like once a week, I'll have a live going in there, Q and A's and all sorts of cool things. And um, coming up in the spring, if anyone is traveling, like I'm hosting a retreat here in the mountains of Southern California, um, spring for in the Northern hemisphere, because I know it's a little bit different for you guys. Autumn for us. (laughs) Well, that would be amazing. I can imagine that. Yeah, because our house is we're on four acres. We're very far away. We're about 45 minutes from the airport, but we are miles away up into the mountains, like about 25, 30 kilometers into the mountains. And we're just so it's so peaceful on a lake. Very quiet, beautiful, you know, cacao, meditation, Pilates. Oh, um, dream. <laughs> yeah, hiking, all, all the cool things and beautiful San Diego weather as well to 
go along with it. So I'd love to invite anyone who wants to be part of that, get in touch, drop me a DM through Instagram and we'll uh, we'll talk to you more about it then. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing such amazing information. It's been such a pleasure having you on. I have loved it. Thank you so much and God bless you for what you're doing in the world. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.